Blog Talk Radio. I got a ton of business experience. I mean, I had that job creating ads for the North Dakota Board of Tourism. Hi, do you like South Dakota but don't want to see Mount Rushmore? Come to North Dakota. It's just a very long drive from wherever you live. Best of all, this is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday night. We are here live and on time, like always. With me, as always, is my sidekick, Granny Hoekster, suspicious by his absence today, according to his big swing, off on another assignment. However, we are going to have a great show again tonight. We got the three guests on here in a second. Uh, real quick, the guests tonight are Jamie Richards. Uh, we have Mila Mountain. Hushka, and we have Greg Lieberman. Now, what's interesting about Greg Lieberman, and he is the guy that designed all the vehicles and uh, and all the cars for the Fast and Furious 1 and 2 movies. So he's going to tell us about what it was like uh, to design those cars, and we're going to talk to him a lot about the Fast and Furious tonight. Uh, and as you know, this is a wrestling show. Yes, it is, but we sometimes have guests uh, from other genres that bring their uh, fan base to us, and the fans are a fan base, which we are going to do. Uh, and I also want to apologize uh, ahead of time because my voice is a little uh, peaked after calling the uh, events at Puffmania Immortal last night. Uh, I did, I, I overdid it just a little bit. Well, let's just say I overdid it a lot, and my voice is not up to snuff. But we'll uh, we'll make it work. So, with that being said, let's bring on Granny. Granny, how are you? 
I'm good. A little cool and rainy all day today in good old Springdale, Arkansas. So Granny went to the store and got the ingredients to make a good old pot of stew in my crock pot tonight for supper. <laughs> well, you know, the the icon has had a lot of uh, interesting uh, changes in his life. Uh, we add another fur baby to the family. We add a little kit. And, uh, oh, I love kitties. Is, um, I love kitties. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. The one thing about this particular kitty is it, it belonged to my fiance's mother and you know she has tons and tons of cats out at the farm there and uh this particular cat i actually was allowed to pick up and let me pick it up and then when i put it down it followed me out to the car it followed me in the house uh it waited for me when i got out of the house and followed me back to my car and uh i'm like okay I don't want to give this cat up because you no, know, I've, I've always loved cats, but cats never loved me for some odd reason. And uh, so we went to um, to back to uh, Montiarty's mom's place, and the cat was right there waiting for me. And as I walked mm-hmm. up to the thing, it came right up to me. So we decided to take it home with us, and we now have a little, another little fur baby, a little kitty. He's a marmalade colored cat, uh, a female cat. And little, little baby, little baby kitty. So I'll post some uh, pictures. What'd you name her? Uh, What'd you name her? Uh, well, well, the name was already, um, is her name. Midget? Because, she, yeah, she was a runt of the litter. Uh, but if you ask me, all the litters from this particular family all look the same. Except this particular cat loves me. So it is what it is. Well, let me, let and, me uh, tell you a little story about cats when when we lived in Kansas and my we were building our house because my dad had had some health issues and he had a stroke and so he had to have help finishing build the house we had a neighbor's cat come down and have her babies in our garage and we had 14 little babies two mamas and two t- big old tomcats running around our our house outside well this little gray and white cat she had four little white paws and her we named her Bootsy and she got inside one of the bathroom walls and my uncle had put up the last piece of sheet rock and we heard this meow 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 my oh, uncle no. took down every piece of shot sheet rock the kitten was inside the frame in the bathroom wall and that kitten followed my uncle home I mean followed my uncle around the house I told my uncle I said you're taking that baby home with you he had Bootsy for 14 years before she finally passed. So cats are very independent. I mean, they they will if they like you, they will come see you. If they don't like you, they might not come see you, or they might come see you. They're very independent. They have a mind of their own. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I I love I love the little kitty to death, and hopefully we'll have. Um, We'll have her for a long time. So what does uh, Homer think of her? Well, Homer uh, has uh, been really uh, kind of protective of the cat a little bit. Um, and uh, they've been seeing me get along good. Uh, but uh, Homer, little Homer, got himself into a little bit of a, a trouble here tonight. Poor little guy. Um, he was um, he's on the couch with Bernadette and... Uh, Apparently, one of his claws uh, decided to attack Bernadette, 
and uh, and I've never seen a uh, a wound like that uh, just gush. I, I don't want I don't want to get too too descriptive, but uh, I've never seen a wound like that uh, open up like that because of a dog. So, uh, but Bernadette's fine. Uh, I did a little con doctor's health call, and uh, hopefully uh, she'll be fine because uh, I patched her up and hopefully. <laughs> That'll work. Um, so that is that. And, I, um, and uh, for everybody who has been listening to the show last uh, month or so, has been hearing us talk about Puffamania. And last night, what a great show there was. Um, and uh, there was a couple things that uh, were kind of interesting. Uh, they have the 24-7 Fargo Championship title. And um, it was won in the Battle Royal. Later on, just before, or actually during intermission, the uh, new crown champion, I can't, uh, his name escapes me, I will will, uh, get it later, uh, was, you know, talking some smack, you know. Uh, Granny, you would like to have fun with this guy because this guy is a heel um, from the word go. And uh, he was talking just some smack. Then all of a sudden, he got attacked, his autograph table, by um, uh, Rockstar Ross. And Rockstar Ross became the new uh, 24-7 Fargo champion. And, uh, you know, you thought that, that the drama for that title was over. But I was wrong. I'm sitting there at ringside calling the match. Uh, and in between the next match, as we're waiting for it, uh, here here comes um, uh, Rockstar Ross uh, running to the ring, and uh, El Machismo, who we've had on the show, uh, was uh, was uh, uh, was waiting in the wings to get the title. And Granny, here comes your all-time favorite guy. So best of luck. <laughs> Sylvester Fox, oh! Sylvester Fox, the the new commissioner, uh, he hits El Machismo outside of the ring, he chokes him out, and then takes Rockstar and hits him right in the back of the head with his patented golf club and becomes the new champion and says that the 24-7 rule, as long as um, he holds the championship, uh, is not in effect. So he he kind of take he was kind of taking the triple he was kind of taking the uh, the triple H uh, approach to it. Well, I tell you, Granny would have loved to be in there because Granny would have had to put Mister Sylvester Fox in his place. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of Sylvester Fox, uh, Granny, uh, Sylvester Fox was wondering why Granny wasn't there last night. Because he wanted to, he he wanted to tell you a few things if you were sitting ringside. Well, uh, you know, I'm sure I, you know, maybe we just need to get Mr. Sylvester Fox on this phone sometime soon because Granny can say a few choice things to him. I'm sure. Well, I was actually out of all town right. all weekend. I didn't get back. I didn't get back until yesterday afternoon from a Moose Legion celebration. So I was tied up all weekend in, in uh, North Little Rock. So, so uh, do you guys have any, uh, so no COVID issues uh, with that? 
Well, you know, we were wearing masks and they were taking temperatures when you came into the lodge and, you know, we social distanced, you know, everything was good, you know, so um, we all, you know, did our part to keep everybody safe, so, you know. There wasn't a whole lot of people there this weekend, you know, there was maybe, I would say... At a given time, no more than probably 40 or 50 people spread out through the whole entire lodge at one time. And I learned how to play shuffleboard. Really? And I did very good considering I've never played shuffleboard. And this isn't the kind of shuffleboard that you use the big stick, you know, and, and hit the, slide the Was putt the with the big stick on the ground. This is a like a tabletop shuffleboard where you have the little puck things and you slide it on the board and... It goes to 15 they, they points. Have, they, have, they have sand on there, don't they? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or salt? Yeah. I actually yeah, did. I actually did very well, considering I've never played before. So, the guy, the first team we were, my partner and I were playing against. He looked at me. He says, "I thought you said you didn't know how to play shuffleboard." I said, "I don't. It's beginner's luck." <laughs> well, you so. know, speaking of social distancing. Um, uh, speaking of social distancing, you know, because uh, uh, because Sylvester Fox, the way he is, um, uh, he was blaming on COVID, but everybody kept was keeping their social distance from him as well because he's such a slime guy. Well, of course he is. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you, um, uh, unfortunately, because Sylvester Fox um, – won the bet and he did become champion. Um uh uh Granny when you uh when you're at my wedding uh next year, um because the bet was that he would get an invitation if he won the title and he did and uh you get to sit with him sit with him. Oh, I Sorry. don't think so. I'll I'll set I'll set on the other side of the the the, the, the outside area or wherever. I'll I'll find some place. Homer and I'll find some place else to set. Homer will be my bodyguard. He'll protect me from Sylvester. Right. And well, Sylvester yeah, Fox, if, if you're if you're li- if you're listening Sylvester Fox to the show tonight, you need to call in because I think you're afraid to talk to Granny right now. You may be acting all big and bad, Mr. Sylvester Fox, because you won that championship. But if you're listening, you need to call into this show tonight and and tell me what you have to say to me. Because believe me, I got plenty to say to you. So I'll tell you what, uh, Granny, we'll we'll come back to that. Uh, but our first guest is on. I'm going to bring him on, okay. and I'm going to introduce him, and then we'll uh, have some okay. fun with this interview. Uh, so just okay. take a second. Sounds good. Do your thing. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, about to enter the ring right now, the man amongst men, the man that everybody fears as he comes to the ring, they tuck their tail and go back to the back because this man is coming to the ring. I give you Jamie Richards. Hey Jimmy, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I was my phone screwed up. Here we go. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, my phone uh, blew up. I don't know how much. 
I don't yeah, know if you heard good. how much of that great introduction <clears throat> you heard, but um, oh yeah, I loved it. I was saying it cut it out right before that. All right, well here's what we'll do. We'll have you say that lino real quick, and then uh, okay, we'll uh, have some fun with the interview. Go ahead. <clears throat> All right. Hey there, this is the wrestling wizard Jamie Richards, and you are listening to the Attitude Era live with the host, the Icon Big Swing, and Granny Holkster. Awesome. awesome. So, Jamie, here, welcome here's to the show. Uh, oh, thank you so uh, very much. Big Swing is uh, not here; he's on temporary assignment uh, this week uh, because his uh, his football team is playing on Monday Night Football right now. So he'd rather uh-huh. he'd rather watch them right. than with us. So. Um, and I'll tell you, his uh, his uh, his team is not from. I'll, I'll just say that, uh, and we'll move on. Right. So here's how we'll do this. Uh, what we're going to do is we'll have you give a little background about yourself, and then uh, yeah. I'll ask you a few questions. Then we'll do a roundtable, and then I'll come back and ask you the difficult questions. So uh, go ahead, let's uh, know a little bit about yourself. Uh, let's say. Use the key uh, call name, Wrestling Wizard, uh, real big technical stuff. Um, been wrestling for 20 years now. I wrestle at like four different shows. Uh, I don't know. I really ain't. <laughs> not really. That's pretty much it. I mean, it's really cut and dry and simple. All right. And uh, how long do you say you've been in the business? Uh, right at 20 years, I think time uh i'm sure you've seen a uh, a lot of different uh goings on and a lot of interesting uh, things when you uh when you uh decided to break into the business uh did you uh go to a school did you try and find a trainer uh were you self trained um, well, what uh, uh what started that for? i had a trainer it was um my cousin wrestled for a while and uh he uh this was back when being on the road, well, before it picked up like it is now, this was uh, the late 90s, really, and they wouldn't really a whole lot of, you know, how, you know, base shows, everybody traveled around a lot, and uh, the guy that trained me, uh, him and his road buddy, uh, my first actual gimmick name because of this was uh, Fetch the Roadie, and it was for the fact of that my payment for doing the training was I was their gopher. I done uh, like I carried the bags. If we stopped at Hardee's or somewhere like that, I was the one that ran in. I went to the gas stations. I drove. The, and that done my whatever show we was at. If it was time beforehand, uh, in the midst of putting up the ring, we'd either mess around before or after the show, depending on where we were at, what the time frame was, and that's how I got my training. So basically, you started out as uh, somebody's wench. Uh, for, yes, basically, right? pretty much. Yes. <laughs> right. So now, unlike most that just get it handed to them, you paid your dues. You'd have to say that. Oh yes. I well, I I've you know I know a lot of older guys that would might say that paying your dues is a little different, but yeah, I I, I busted my butt. I got my first like two and a half years I I was beat down jobs however you want to say it that was there wasn't no Mikey Whitbreck storyline to it and uh do you remember who your first match was against oh god uh mm, I don't (laughs) 
Uh, there's been what like did you, right did there you in the first match. Probably no. Oh, the first match. Never mind. I'm sorry. The first match I had at a skating rink in the middle of the skating floor. Uh, a place called Funtime Skate Center, and it was three moves. The guy that I was managing, uh, his name was Harley. He's a little bit tall guy. Imagine like a Probably not as tall, but imagine like a Kevin Kevin Nash stature to everybody else. Um, him and yeah, him and this guy had a storyline. The thing was, is he had to beat me to get a match with Harley. Well, I done the I was scared or whatever. Harley gorilla presses me and throws me into the ring. The guy gives me a lariat, a T bone or a, you know like an exploder, a T bone suplex. And then gives me a northern lights and pins me. Wow. Have you ever had to uh, have you ever got to revenge on a person? Uh not really. <laughs> that was I, I think that was like the only time we wrestled each other. Uh Jamie Rich is our guest here. Um and uh we have uh well we're having we're gonna have some fun with him. Uh now, uh, when you wrestled, would you consider yourself to be a uh, baby face, a heel, an in-between, or are you more of a crowd guy? Uh, it it kind of worked out. I, I ended up with this uh, – I tagged with this guy for a while, and there's a group called the Omega Virus. And it kind of – it does this whole, like, weave, vest, patches, not like a biker thing. It's kind of – I don't know. I guess you'd say it's a mix between – grunge, punk rock, and like a biker thing, I guess because of the whole we wear in the vest thing. And I've noticed like everybody else is, you know, whatever, we've kind of donned a mask thing. But uh, it it played out there for a while. Like it, if you would look at it because of the way the color patterns and stuff is, it, you would think it would be heel. But we've uh, one of the last times that we tagged, we done uh, – Pretty heavy duty babyface stuff against um, what we was wrestling at the time. It was a real big heel tag team, and I mean we got over. Um, it kind of now it, it really plays out on the crowd on who they're you know who they're cheering for. I, I guess you could say I'd be like an in between. Well, that being said, uh, and I'm going to come back to uh, your look. I, I remember when I was making. Uh, while I was researching you and wanting you to be on the show, uh, you know, I, uh, if you remember, I booked you six months ago. Uh, yeah. I'm going to come back and talk uh, talk about the card I made for you in a second and uh, your your look. Uh, but, Granny, we're up for our guests. We have uh, Jimmy Richards, the wizard, and uh, we have exactly 22 minutes. Go ahead. Well, thank you. I am Granny Holkstra. I'm not a wrestler. I'm just a huge fan of the sport. And Granny can talk some pretty good smack to the heels when I have to. I've been told that I do a very good job at what I do, helping get the crowd going, interacting with the wrestler, especially if they're heel. I, I can talk some pretty good smack. So since it sounds right. like you're kind of a baby face most of the time, I wouldn't have a problem with you, but now on the other hand, if you decided to be healed for the night, Granny would have to probably yeah. put you in your place. <laughs> I understand that. But with that being said, 
who was your biggest inspiration that made you decide you wanted to become a wrestler in the first place? Oh my! Oh man! Uh, that's really. I mean, I, I'd have to let me think for a second because that's all really hard because. I, like I know guys like George Hackenstein, Frank Gott, Bruno San Martino. I mean, I I can sit here and give you a long. Uh, my biggest things that I, I that I base myself off of would be like um, the Hart Foundation, the Four Horsemen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Al Snow, Brian Pillman. I I even like uh, Steve Austin when he was doing Stunning Steve in Hollywood Block. Awesome. And, there's been different guys over the years like uh, Tommy Dreamer, uh, Taz. Oh, uh, yes. Steve Carino. is bad, and I'll probably catch a lot of heat for this, but I don't care. Uh, I'm a big, big Crispin Walmart, like bad. Oh, wow. And uh, one of the guys I'm really like, I like, uh, I'm real big technical guys. Like, I love British wrestling. Uh, Pete Dunne, William Regal, Trent Seven. <laughs> You know, the ace, and uh, go on through. Um, I was actually, wasn't really trained when I started. I was taught how to mimic two wrestlers. And that was uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. So, Oh, wow. Uh, I'm really kind of real heavy on Kenny Omega right now, though. I, just, I, I think his stuff's really pretty impressive. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. What was one of your most challenging matches you had, and who was it against? Oh, uh, I don't know if it would be challenging, but uh, I I guess nerve-wracking. I I wrestled a buddy of mine. Me and him started out at the exact same time, and we done kind of like a best of seven when we first started out and it, it was real hard with the lack of experience to be able to put together that series of matches without you know, uh, making them where they'd be different. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, Jamie Richards, our guest here. We got, uh, we got 19 minutes here with Jamie. Now, now, Jamie, you have to forgive me because, you know, I'm I'm a broadcast journalist, and uh, sometimes right. I put my foot in my mouth, with, especially with the bigger guys, but I can't resist this. Now, I, ho- I, I don't get mad for the comparison, but uh, I, I'm trying to give our fans a little bit of uh, background of what you, what you look like. Uh, and this is just my opinion. It may not be true, but you'll just have to bear with me for a second. Uh, okay. Now, first off, you guys – Jamie does not look like he sounds at all. Uh, I don't know if you've been told that or not, but to me, you sound like an all uh, an everyday cowboy uh, with your with your cool accent. Uh, but that's not the way you look. And on the card I made for you, when I, when I first saw the when I first saw this picture when I was making the card of you, now this is what I thought. I was I flashed back to Return of the Jedi when Luke uh, took the mask off of Darth Vader and. Uh, he saw Anakin Skywalker's dad for the first time with the with the bald head and the and the and the face piece. That's what I thought of when I first saw the picture of you. Now, does that right. comparison upset you? Oh no, no, like that's cool. The the mask actually, uh, it's kind of funny. I just kind of throwed it in. The they wore 
uh, Sabin and Domin and them, the other guy, the ones that send the Omega virus, they had masks that uh, had spikes on them. And after I became part of the group, I, I started noticing a lot of other people that, would, for whatever reasons, had kind of the same style mask. Well, I, I like uh, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter, and stuff like that. So I found a mask I was just gonna say that, that. Yes, I found a mask that kind of goes along with their style, but it looks more like a Hannibal Lecter type mask, and that's how that that's how the mask itself came about. Uh, Jamie Richards is our guest here, uh, and we're 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 having we're having a lot of fun here with you. Uh, we got 17 minutes now. The interesting thing about uh, your look and the mask. Now, uh, what is it used? What is the name of the virus you were talking about? Uh, the Omega virus. The Omega virus. Now, isn't it ironic yeah. that you're wearing a mask and uh, you guys go by the uh, Omega virus, and now we have the coronavirus and everybody's wearing a mask? Is that ironic? Uh, I, I thought it was kind of funny when I thought about it, and uh, I worked at this one show uh, here recently. And the guy brought it up, and the Omega virus has, before I even joined it, had been around uh, like five or six more years than that. It's not like coincidental that, you know, the Omega virus, uh, I had these people bring that up. That's why I was saying that because they was like, oh, well, you're just doing that trying to get off of the whole, you know, corona. But no, it's way long. It's been way longer than that, that it's gone on. But, yes, I did think it was kind of funny. Because you see these people running around with, uh, you know, air mask, and I've, I've even seen a guy walking around and as jokingly, you know, with like hockey mask or whatever like that on. Or, and you've seen some of the wrestling posts with guys having a luchador mask on, saying, you know, I'm wearing my mask. <clears throat> well, you know, you know, you know, what's kind of interesting though is the the fact that, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to dwell too much on the coronavirus. But I can ask you a few questions about it, but. You know, it's kind of weird because, you know, everybody's, you know, every, lots of places are you know, starting to do the mask mandate. Uh, so basically, wearing a mask doesn't bother you because you already have one. Well, uh, honestly, I, um, I kind of, that's really the only time that I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. I have to wear the mask some at work, and it's, it's kind of a pain in the butt, really. Now, and, if uh, it was know, to. Go ahead, sir. Now, if it was now if it was to kind of fit like how my leather mask fits, it might be a little different because that's not not as restricting. It's technically just hanging off my head. Now, you know, speaking of uh, the coronavirus, uh, and you know, it's affected uh, a lot of people in one way or another. What has the how has the coronavirus affected uh, uh, your, your career uh, to this point? Have you had to blank out your calendar at a certain point? Uh, have you lost some dates that might be rescheduled, or uh, are you just waiting in the wings? Uh, how has it affected you? Um, actually, crap. Sorry, I had a wrestling show going on. Um, That's right. It really didn't. Um, I missed like a week of wrestling when all this started and when the coronavirus went down. And uh, where I'm from at in Alabama – the uh, you know it, it shut it down. The you know uh, Governor Ivy was doing the whole mask mandate, had everything closed down or whatever. Well, uh, about a week went by, and I'd uh, talked to some people that I wrestled with in Tennessee, and 
up until now, they've had guidelines to follow, <coughs> but it hadn't really. Like, it did for a little bit, but they, it was never where it affected me. Because so, I think it was, uh, you know, know, it was about a week. So, uh, being from Alabama, you know all about Roll Tide, right? Yes, unfortunately. Oh, so, so does that mean you're not an Alabama fan? I'm not really big into football. Oh, well, that's good. Then uh, then I like you even more because I'm an Ohio State Buckeyes fan, actually. So yeah. That's, that's awesome. So uh, we have uh, uh, Jamie Richards as our guest here. We've got 13 minutes here with uh, with you. So now tell us a little bit about uh, your finishing maneuver. I'm sure it's got to be some kind of medieval thing. Uh, tell us what it's called, what's involved, and uh, we'll see if me and Granny might volunteer to take it. Well, actually, I uh, speaking of the Kenny Omega part, I actually kind of stole his one wings angel. Now, on the other side of that, I'm I'm a real big submission wrestler, like technical and stuff like that, and a lot of stuff that I do, I based around you know doing the Ole and Arn Anderson pick out a body part, work it down, work a submission. But if it was to do like an impact move, it's I usually. I'm, I'm not as in shape as what Kenny Omega is, but uh, like there's some of the guys I wrestle with that are pretty big that I'm not trying to, you know, big boy and stand up with. And I do pretty much the one winged angel out of the corner. Like I'll I'll take him and prop him up in the corner and pick him up and <clears throat> do his finish. Wow, uh, I think I'll I think I'll pass, Granny. How about you? <laughs> Uh, she she speaks with uh, you know. Um, yeah, I noticed well, that. We'll just. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll uh, we'll just continue here. We got uh, we got Mr. Richards here. We got uh, twelve minutes. So, with all that being said, and all the sort of stuff going on, like you said, uh, when do you know when your next match is? And if you do, where oh, is yeah. it? When is it? Uh, and um, actually, and, uh, I do. Go ahead, sir. Oh yeah, if they're, if they're close, I uh, there's a place, uh, Ardmore, Tennessee. It's called EWA's Empire Wrestling Alliance. Uh, it's a real good show. It's right in the middle of town. Uh, I'd have to actually look to give you the address, but it's on Main Street. I mean, if you're around the area and you know where Main Street is at Ardmore, you can find it. There's a big sign out front that says EWA. Uh, they run there every week. I work it with uh, – I have uh, three little girls. I work it around trying to do my schedule with them, and I'm usually there uh, every other week. Like this week coming – let's see here. The next week I'll be there will be on the 28th. Uh, I have one coming up in Russellville with SPWA in Russellville. Uh, and do you know who your opponents might be yet, or have they not told you? Uh I know the one I'll be in in Russellville. I'll be wrestling a guy. His name is Jay Blade. He's a real good high flyer, real good technical wrestler. Uh, we kind of we well we've wrestled each other quite a few times. You know we always put on a really good show. It's always something to watch. It's one of them. Uh, we've done enough work. We're we're pretty well happy with beating the crap out of each other. So uh, so you uh, so you guys uh, usually go a bell to kill. Uh, how many times do you say you guys have wrestled together? Oh Lord, I've I've known him. There's no telling how many years, and 
if we've wrestled once, we've probably wrestled 500 times. Wow, that's awesome. So, so uh, I'm just going to take a while since that there. I'm, I'm guessing you have a better record against them than he is against you, I would guess. Um. Depending on it, you know, depending on it, really, because I mean, there's there's been a couple of times he's uh, slightly a bit faster than I am, and you know, sometimes that'll get the you know get the better toll of you, depending on where we're at. Um, he's now, he's, he's not in, a cheap shot artist, is he? The what? He's not a cheap shot artist, is he? Oh no, no, he's just uh, Jay's just he's just a really fast guy now on. If you was to do straight up like submission, whatever, I I would believe that I have him uh, outdone on that. Overall wins, I uh, really couldn't tell you. Uh, have no idea. Um, we I tried to keep up with it one time before, but it's one of them. We've done it enough that you know it's I just kind of lost track of it. But I mean, there, there is times where he's he's pulled it out where, like I said, he's real fast and we've. You know, we wrestle each other enough. We can kind of anticipate each other's moves. Sometimes, just like we done one, I went to give him. Uh, I think it was like a Canadian destroyer, and uh, when we done it, he rolled through it. He gave me a double stomp out of it. So, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to make a bold prediction that you are going to be victorious. Uh, you're you're in the next match. The reason why I say that is because anybody that's been on this show that has had a match. Uh, their next match they have never lost. Uh, right. So we have a pretty good record so. of that. So you got <laughs> you got to keep that going for us. Yeah, yeah that, that's the plan. Yeah. I hope that's how it goes. We we have the man here, Jamie Richards. Here we have uh, eight minutes left with Jamie. So if our fans wanted to uh, check you out and see what you're doing and follow you, do you have a Facebook, do you have an Instagram, you got a YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe for your mask, what do you got? Oh, uh, well, right now I have two. You can go in and you can type in Jamie Richards Wrestling on YouTube and it pulls up anything that I've done wherever I've wrestled at. And you can go through and there's the app face that's on there that will take you to EWA's page. And uh, I have a Facebook, and it's just simply just Jamie Richards. There's a picture of me standing up on the second rope. I got, you know, the Omega thing is standing up, you know, having your fist in the air. Um, no stealing, no comparison. It was being done before all this crap. Uh, but it shows that uh, top turnbuckle shows the back of my vest with the Omega symbol and everything on it. <clears throat> Be more than happy if anybody, whatever, they can uh, – come out and say hi or whatever. And uh, I'm kind of hoping that uh, if, uh, you know, we got a big uh, December giveaway show, uh, show kind of, you know, uh, you know, December will be here uh, before we know it. If I were to send you a uh, address, you think mate, you might be able to send us some uh, autographs to give away for our fans in December then? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I had that figured out before uh, when we talked about it to begin with, and in the process of moving, I'd done something with half my crap. So, I kind of lost Polaroids. But, yeah, I would be more than happy well, to do that. Well, whenever uh, yeah, well, whenever you can get them, I'll send you the address. Uh, you know, uh, I, I know, hey, trust me, I know it's like to lose stuff when you're moving around, and it, it really, really sucks, too, because uh, I myself have moved uh, three times in the last uh, month, or the last two months. And, oh, uh, Lord. 
and I've lost uh, three of my uh, wireless earbuds. Uh, so, uh, you know, when you think about it, 80 bucks a piece down the drain because I keep yeah. losing these dang things, you know? And uh, I learned one thing. I hate moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's most definitely. I, yeah, I'm, I'm really not too keen on moving. Jamie Richards is our guest here. We got uh, five minutes here with uh, Jamie. So, now, uh, there's one other thing I'm going to ask you, and I ask all independent wrestlers this, because uh, no one ever answers the same. I'll put it the uh, two-part question. I know you've been in the business for 20 years, but, uh, you know, you're you're never too old to be in the wrestling ring, as Ric Flair has proven. But let's say that you're an event in AEW, the WWE, they want you to come offer you a big time contract the question what is that something you want to do and uh, if you uh, not the time was a friend to still talk to us oh most definitely I I wouldn't turn down talking to y'all but uh, I I wouldn't want to say that I wouldn't go it would be one of them uh, I don't feel like I'd be in the shape enough to do you know to be able to produce like they would want, but I would go for the fact of, you know, being able to say, you know, I, they thought enough of me to do this and uh, to give it a shot to even see if I could pull it off. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, though, it, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it'd be really cool, you know, even if, they, even if you know, you get like, uh, you know, like a guest spot doing like, uh, uh, I don't know, being like, uh Cousin Ab, uh, cousin Abigail's brother, or something like that. You know, <laughs> right. you know. I mean, I mean that that was you know, just be, be uh, there for five minutes would be awesome, wouldn't it? Oh yes, for any reason, actually, would be pretty, pretty awesome. <clears throat> well, we have uh, Jamie Richards right here. We got uh, three minutes. Uh, Granny, you guys else here before uh, we sign off? What? No, I'm good. I think we've pretty much covered everything. I mean, it's been a great interview, and it's been awesome to have you on our our program tonight. Oh, I've done uh, all great. You know, I know that you, you you know you're a big uh, you are a, uh, an ass character in the ring, but uh, from what I know about you now, compared just by talking to you, and I should say this, but. Uh, I'd have to say that you're a gentle giant. I mean, you're 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 a great guy, but when you hit that ring, watch out. Would you say that's a fair comparison? Yeah, I, I would actually go with that. I'm usually um, when I'm away from when I'm not in the ring, I'm straight up bad 95 percent of the time. It very seldom gets more of a dull roller, but in the ring is the time to you know open up, let it go, and you know extra aggression to release and. You know, it's hard to, for any reason, it's hard to back down anyway because, you know, you got to keep that up because nowadays I look at it as as I'm one of the older guys that's in the ring and, you know, i got to be able to make sure that I keep my spot and, you know, that way I can keep myself look good. That way they know I can keep up with all the young guys. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, we wish you uh, we wish you luck in your uh, your next match, and uh, we know that you're going to be victorious. And uh, later on uh, uh, in uh, 2021, uh, we'll get you back on again, and uh, you can give us an update on uh, how many uh, 
wrestler you've uh, laid to rest on the side of the road, as they say in the business. Uh, we do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us. Uh, we uh, wish you uh, good luck and God's be and uh, good health to you and your family. Yes, Thanks sir. for being on. Oh, yes. Most take definitely. Care, right take care, All right. Take care, bud. Thank you. Wow. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, Jamie Richards, what a great guy. What an awesome guy. Uh, love the guy. Uh, I'm glad that um, he... Uh, he was uh, he was on there with us, uh, and uh, we're glad that uh, he took time on his schedule. So uh, we're just waiting for our next guest here. Um, uh, no, Grady, did you? I'm hearing some feedback in the background. I kind of I don't know what it is, but I'm hearing some weird noises in the background. All right. Um, uh, well, let's see. I think uh, I'm trying to disconnect our guest. Um, I don't know if he's still on or not. But I'm trying to disconnect him right now. I, I hear that, too. I don't think it's coming from me. There we go. There we go. No? No? There sounds like it. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, we'll just wait. Maybe we maybe we have little gremlins on our switchboard tonight. Well, you never you never, you never know. I mean, uh, Big Sweet's team is uh, is uh, really. Uh, <laughs> They're losing very badly, from what I hear. My Chiefs oh, yeah. won tonight. Yeah. I'm very ha- I'm very happy. Very happy. We're five and one, so I'm I'm very happy right now. Okay, great. You're still with me, right? Yeah, I'm still here. Hmm. Okay, that's really weird. All right. Well, we'll just wait for uh, we'll just wait for our next guest to call in, and uh, hopefully there's uh, nothing going on with this computer because uh, I sure hate to have to uh, log out and log back in. But, uh... <clears throat> okay. Maybe we got to. No. I don't know. That's really weird. I don't think it's my phone, but well, no, I I, I think it could be something uh, in the uh, in the studio feed. I don't know what it is, but uh, um, I hope I don't have like I hope I don't have to log back out and log back in. That would uh, that could really uh, that really uh, cause a hindrance. But, uh, We'll, we'll see what happens when I, when I do this. <sighs> so. It says I'm not connected to the Internet, so let me try that again. Maybe that could be what it is. It's something I'm not connected, but we're live. I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, we are. 
Gotta love technical difficulties there, you know, modern technology fans, so sorry for the delay and sorry for the little technical issues we're dealing with tonight. You never know what's going to happen. Well, hopefully, uh, like I say, hopefully I won't have to uh, alter this thing. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I, I when things are, when everything's going well and then something happens, I just don't like that. Well, I will uh, we'll try and get this figured out here. Granny, uh, hopefully uh, I don't lose you when I do this, but... Uh, I don't know if I'm having an issue with my internet or what. Yeah, I'm trying to connect. And I know our uh I know our guest is uh trying to call in. Be patient with us. We're getting having some technical difficulties, so hopefully we can get our guest on here in the next yeah, couple like minutes. Say, I don't, yeah, like you say, and I don't know if um if I don't I'm hear the don't noise now, so I mean Yeah, well see the thing is like a sentinel for sunny here or not. Uh <laughs> Well, we hope that we are, so. Right. I'm trying to switch you up, Mike. See, I have two internet providers in my apartment, so I have to do this from my apartment because uh, they won't let me in the local studio because of all the cold stuff going on, so I have to do this from the local Definitely, the weather has been very interesting the last couple of weeks here in Arkansas. We've had a lot of cooler temperatures, and I have a feeling that Arkansas is going to be in for a rough winter time. We've got some cold fronts okay. coming in the end of the week. Well, I, so, I, I, I think our guest is on here, so I'm going to I'm going to bring him on. And okay, go ahead works. and do your thing. Okay. All right. One second. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. 
a little late per se, and that's uh, of no fault of hers. It's all of mine, and I do apologize if I'm pronouncing the, the name wrong, but here she comes stepping out of the green room and walking in down the aisle, stepping to the ring. It's Hoska. Hey, how are you? Hey, it's Malaya Hosaka. How can are you? Hear me? Sorry about that. I just, yeah, uh, go I'm, ahead. I can hear you okay. just fine. Wasn't sure. All right. I've been listening to you guys and your technical difficulties, but, you know, glad everybody's listening to the Attitude Area with uh, the live host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Awesome. How are you tonight? I, I do apologize for that. Uh, uh, like I say, you know, this, uh, it'll, we'll, we'll cover it with you, too, just like we do with our other guests, but, uh, you know, this whole COVID thing. Uh, I got to do. Uh, I'm doing the show remotely because I uh, they won't let anybody in the studio because of the COVID thing. So, um, right. So here's what we'll do. Um, we have um, well, we have about uh, 23 minutes here with you. If you want to give us a quick little background about yourself, then we'll uh, have some fun. We'll interview you. Okay, I've been wrestling about 30 plus years. I was trained by Killer Kowalski in 1987 at a camp run by Misty Blue. Um, Debbie Combs, Leilani Kai, Judy Martin were some of my mentors and uh, some of the girls that I came up wrestling and, and learning from. So being, awesome. in, being, in, the, uh, be, being in the business for 32 years, especially uh, uh, being trained by Killer Kowalski, uh, did, you, uh, did you just uh, decide one day that you wanted to go to his school or did, uh, uh, did well, he it wasn't uh, make school. it over to no, it was a Sorry, Misty Blues camp. Uh, so it wasn't Kowalski's school that I went to. It was Misty Blues Sims camp that I went to. Um, but Kowalski was the trainer that came in to, to teach all of us that were there. Um, no, my dad was a huge fan of it. I hated it. I thought it was the stupidest thing on TV. And uh, he basically dared me to do it. So here I am, 32 years later. So, uh, well, let me ask you this: as you were, as you were, as you were going through your training, you know, you originally said it was the stupidest thing in the world. As you were going through your training, how long did uh, that mindset uh, stay with you until you changed your mind on it? Um. Well, I mean, I got to learn. I got to learn the athletic ability of it, and I got to learn a lot under Kowalski in the time that I, I was with him. It was a very brief period. And then after that, uh, learning from Leilani and them and just learning the ins and outs of what, what it was to be in the ring and what wrestling meant. Uh, so I don't know that my, my mindset ever really changed because I still don't enjoy watching wrestling. If you can tell me a story and you can show me the art and suck me in, then I'll watch your matches till I'm blue in the face. But today's wrestling doesn't do that to me. It's a lot of great, talented athletes doing a lot of amazing moves. But the art of what made wrestling what it was isn't there anymore. So, um, yeah, I don't think I ever really lost the, the idea that I, Amen. I, I Amen had. to that. Now, I'll tell you what, that is actually the best way. Uh, we're actually going to turn that into, the, the way you just said that, we're actually going to turn that into a sound bite. Uh, because <laughs> that's, you know, it's a perfect way to describe it. You know, uh uh, granny's uh, Granny's uh, a little older. Uh, you know, I'm the middle-aged guy in Big Swing when he's here. He's a younger guy. And, uh, you know, we've been through the – Granny and I and myself, we've been through the Legends era. 
We've been through the new generation. We've been through the attitude era. We've been through the PG era, and now we're in the what the hell are they doing era, really? Uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> I mean, it's I like I said, I think they have amazing athletes doing phenomenal moves, but at the end of the match, I can't tell you any of the moves that they did because they were just a bunch of moves. Like I, it, it, you don't have time to digest it. You don't have time to really understand it. So, you know, there's an art to wrestling. There's an art to telling a story. Just like, you know, actors and actresses, they have to learn their craft, and there's an art to doing that and sucking an audience into your character and into that story that you're telling and suspending reality for them for a few moments. And that's really what wrestling has lost. They've lost that ability to do that. And, uh, you know, um, I will say that, uh, you know, you mentioned when it comes to storytelling, uh, you know, I, I've seen uh, I've seen a few of your matches, and uh, when you're in the ring, there's nothing but sheer beauty in the ring when you're in there. Uh, don't oh, take well, that the wrong you. way, but that's, that's, that's just the way I feel. Now, when you're, when you're wrestling, uh, are you more of a baby face, a heel, an in-betweeny, oh. or are you more of a, no, a, a, a crowd I'm a, individual? I'm a straight-up heel. <laughs> With that being said, uh, <laughs> Granny, we have a heel. Go ahead. What do you got? Well, well, first of all, Icon, I'm pretty sure I think I know this lady. I mean, I know of her. I mean, I don't. Um, I my first question because Granny does not like the heels. I mean, I can talk some pretty mm-hmm. good smack. Now, mm-hmm. I heard an interview. I. I, well, I heard an interview. Something? Well, let me let me get where I'm going with this. Um, okay. I heard her oh. on an interview, uh, wrestling with history with Bruce Wirt and my very good friend Killer Ken Resnick um, a few months ago. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And now, did you ever wrestle in like Arkansas for traditional championship wrestling with like Matt Riviera and Tim Storm and Yes. I I knew you did. I knew you did. I can I think I know this lady because yes. Granny used to go to traditional championship wrestling when it ran in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And to this day they still show the old reruns on T V down in the Little Rock area and to this day I still have people come up and ask me if I'm Granny from T C W. I know this lady. <laughs> nice. I have seen yeah. this lady wrestle. Yep. Well, I'll tell you yeah, what. I wrestled it, against and, I probably, and I probably and I probably talked smack to her several times. Well, Quite you know, that, that and I kind probably of, just gave that, it right that back. Kind of, yeah, that that she kind did. of was a surprise because I, I was going to ask, do you remember a sweet little old lady? You thought she was the little old lady from Pasadena swinging her cane at you. Do you remember that? <laughs> Now I didn't um, I have my when when I when I met her I wasn't having to use a cane because that was way before I ever had to have any knee replacement surgeries or anything. Okay, but, you know. I was like, I don't remember so. a cane. I think I remember a cane getting swung at me, but uh, yeah, no, mm-mm. no. I used to, I think uh, yeah, I wrestled at Fort Smith quite a few times for with Matt Rubiero's mm-hmm. company. I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. I I I, th- I thought so. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a pleasure to have you on our show tonight yeah. because when I saw you were going to be on, I thought, wow, I know her. <laughs> That's so awesome <laughs> well, because I haven't seen yeah. you in such well, a yeah. long time. So well, no, uh, Matt quit. 
you remember that, quit running, that, and I don't go to Arkansas anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah, they actually quit that. running. Go ahead, Icon. Well, I was going to say, yeah, do you remember that sweet old lady at ringside? Uh, you know, she, uh, you know, she was, uh, you know, you came out, and she started booing you, and then uh, you got into her face, and she got in your face. You remember that little confrontation? Yeah. <laughs> I had a very special shirt when I when I would go to TCW. It said, Granny Hulkster, Queen of TCW. And it was a yellow shirt. And um, mm-hmm. I, uh, like I said, uh, I, I know this lady. It's been a long time yeah. since I've seen her. But, yeah, it's, it's yeah. been a while it's, but since I've seen her. Yeah, but I'm very familiar with her. I'm very familiar. Yes. The, their last show they did. 2010. Yeah, yeah. They, the last show that they did was um, November of 2013 because Tommy Dreamer was in a part of an eight-man elimination tag team match mm-hmm. against Matt Riviera and the Empire. Okay. And he had Matt, and he was using cookie sheets and trash cans and everything, and he comes over, and I was standing up taking pictures, and Tommy grabs my cane. I had a fold-up cane that I was using at the time because I hadn't had my first knee replacement surgery. He takes my cane out of my hand, and Matt Rhodes says, Oh, my God, he's got Granny Holster's cane. And Brian Thompson says, Granny, what do you think you're doing? This isn't fans. Bring your own weapons match. <laughs> and, he, and he used the cane on Matt, and he was twisting it, and he was walking. He's swinging my cane. looked like he broke my cane, and... And Matt's going like, oh, my God, he broke Granny's cane. And then he comes back and he takes the handle and tucks it under Matt's tights and pulls up on the cane and gives Matt such a serious wedgie and made him hop like a bunny (laughs) rabbit. So, you know. Yeah. But I guess one of my questions for you is one of your most difficult matches you ever had in your career. And I know you've probably had a lot of them. Um. Besides the one you had with Sandy at ringside. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, I guess it just depends on what type of difficulty you're talking about. Are you talking about difficulty as far as the opponent being challenging? Um, yeah, as that, far as, like, that would be good. Tech, that, that would be like, good. Tech, that, that would be good. Uh, te- technically challenging, I would say my matches against Debbie Combs were some of the most difficult that I ever had because I was just really um, – I come from LPWA. I'd come from being under Leilani and Judy's wing, and and I was starting to grow and and really learn and understand the art. And uh, getting in the ring and trying to put that to work against Debbie Combs was it was a huge thing. Um, Luna Vachon, by far one of the toughest opponents I've ever been in the ring with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because you just never knew what Luna was showing up that day. Um, That's true. You know, so. You know, so yeah, so I mean, difficulty, it, it really, it just kind of depends on how, how you're judging that difficulty. Uh, political difficulty would probably be my match with WCW against Zero. It lasted all of three seconds. Um, uh, Chigusa was wonderful. I, I, I would work with Chigusa any day of the week, but politics were in play, so that was a very, it was a very difficult time for me just to bite my tongue and, and do what I was told and, and, and hope that it all worked out. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I know you've had a lot of amazing matches in your career. I mean, you you. I've just... had some really, really, really great matches, and I've had some matches that were just. Thank you for the worst thing I've ever done in a ring. <laughs> so. 
Well, um, I know the times that I got to see you at TCW, I very much, even though you were the heel, I very much enjoyed your matches because yeah. you you have so much talent. You are just well, thank you. a class act yeah. lady, and you are just absolutely amazing to watch. Well, so. well thank you. I know quite a few people that would disagree with that, but thank you. <laughs> Well, well, that's I okay. Just, I, they can I mean, they can my, disagree with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, I mean, as, that's the thing. Is like when I was the babyface, it was my job to go out there and get sympathy and to be the good guy. And now I transitioned over to be the heel, and it's my job to go out there and make you hate me. And so fans like you are are awesome because I'm not having to sit there and worry about you cheering me. I don't have to tell you to sit down and shut up. You're already booing me. You know. So and it and it helps. Um, but yeah, it's isn't that's another problem with today's wrestling is that nobody wants to be a clear cut heel. Like everybody wants to impress with their big moves, and I yeah I don't I don't I don't have big moves. I got an attitude. Well, I tell you, that's one thing. That's one thing that that Matt and everybody at TCW loved about me because I had mm-hmm. them tell me this very many times. They said, Granny. You know, you helped make the show really good tonight yeah. and because, and they always had me sitting in the front row oh, in the yeah. center seat facing the camera because they right. knew, especially the heels, you get, you get like genetic perfection, Michael Berry and mm-hmm. Alan Steele and Rich mm-hmm. Root out there when they were the heels, they would right. get in my faces and I would holler back. And even when Tim Storm mm-hmm. was a heel, now that was really hard. For me, right. when Tim Storm became part of the Empire, that was really hard <laughs> for me to, to boo him. I, I think because, that was hard for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, and but I mean, but I but I tried to make it fun, and and I would help the crowd. You know, I'd say, and they'd say, "Well, we don't know who to cheer or who to boo." I said, "Just watch me. I'll show you." You know, yeah. <laughs> I was like the yeah. little cheerleader because I was never afraid <laughs> to stand up. And get in somebody's face. Al Farad, right. I mean, I don't know how yeah. many times he wrestled against Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you know. And, I mean, it's just the people that I got to know through TCW, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I consider you part of my wrestling family because I just, you know, I just mm-hmm. loved watching you so much in the ring. And oh, and you. I'm not related to anybody, you know, as far as wrestlers go, but mm-hmm. I still consider them part of my wrestling family. And you're right. at the top of that list. So. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, so. We have uh, we have uh, we have nine minutes here with our guest here. Okay. Uh, so now you know. Uh, we'll kind of touch on this a little bit. We don't want to spend too much time on it, but you know the whole COVID thing. Uh, how has that affected uh, uh, your career? Um, have you had to blank your calendar out to a certain point? Uh, have you had well, shows that were supposed to go and been canceled uh, and would get well, rescheduled? How has it affected you? All, all, of, the, all of the above. Um, it's, well, I didn't really have to blank my calendar out because until uh, this past, actually until this month, I was only wrestling part-time. I had a regular job. I had more or less left the scene of the of wrestling um, for the next generation and was just adding my myself in there where I could uh, to help pass on knowledge and, and everything. Um, but, yeah, I, like, I've definitely had shows. Like, I was a part of WOW, and we were just getting going, and we training facility and TV and everything that was going, and it's just come to a complete halt because 
California's not open and they're based out of LA. So like you can't do anything there hardly. Um, you know, I had a friend who was exposed to COVID uh, last week. So been in quarantine for the last 10 days. And I had, I've had to cancel shows because of that, because even though I didn't test positive, you still have to quarantine and stay away from everybody until that time frame's over, you know? So, so yeah, COVID has definitely made it more difficult on, um, on the industry. And uh, I, I think you mentioned that uh, you, you said you're uh, with wrestling with wow. Is that correct? I, I am. Yeah. I'm part of wow. Uh, I have two trainees there, Exodus and Genesis, and uh, the three of us are called Exile. And uh, and uh, we've had uh, we've had uh, many uh, uh, gals from Wow on with us, but our, for our fans that might be just tuning in and don't know what Wow is, let us know what that is. It's the women wrestling. Um, it's an all women's group based out of California, run by David McLean, who was one of the original owners of Glow. Um, Bambi, who was my original tag team partner back in OPWA in 89 through 93, uh, she is uh, behind the scenes as one of the bookers and, and story writers. And, yeah, so it's it's an amazing group of women who are, are trying to put women's wrestling back where it's supposed to be. And that, that is awesome. So when is your ne- when is your next event? Uh, right now, I'm scheduled a, a debut with SWE Fury in Texas at San Antonio on November 7th. Um, and then after that, I'm back with uh, Ian Rotten and IWA and Battle Broads <clears throat> in the Indianapolis area. And uh, uh, we have uh, we have about six minutes here left. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of hoping that uh, you know if I were to send you uh, an address. Uh, if you uh, if you do want to send us some autographs for some giveaways for our big December show, we got coming oh, up. Yeah, sure. I'd, I I yeah, I'm horrible at doing that. So just you know, remind me because I don't have any pictures here with me where I'm at right now. Um, I'll hopefully okay. I'll be back to my my house in about a week, and I'll be able to get those out. But yeah, just just send me the address and then give me a little nudge in about a week and say hey if you don't mind. Sure. Oh yeah, no problem. Uh, and, well, I know uh, that you know, SWE Fury is really taking off. I see a lot I, of posts from James Beard about SWE oh, Fury. Yeah. And, and Jazz so. is part of it, and I have mm-hmm. a huge amount of respect for Jazz. I love her. Um, so I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what Miranda Gordy is made of. I've heard some really good things about her. Um, I've met yeah, Miranda I'm, Gordy on several occasions. I'm very good friends mm-hmm. with Miranda Gordy. Yeah. Nice. Of course, I miss so, yeah. all my uh, Texas. Have... I miss my Texas wrestling family terribly. <laughs> what was uh, that icon? We, uh, we do have. Well, we do have a we do have a caller on here, and I don't know if it's uh, our next guest or not. Uh, I'll bring him on, um, and uh, we'll see here. Hold on a second. It may be somebody that wants to talk to our guest, Icon. I mean, uh, you know. Caller, go ahead. Yeah, it's Craig Lieberman calling in. Sorry, I'm hoping I'm not calling in too early. No, that's all right. I'll tell you what. Uh, we'll uh, we'll go to you in uh, we'll go to you in two minutes. Okay, I'm going to put you back on hold and we'll go to you. Okay. No worries. All right, thanks. Awesome. <clears throat> okay. So, yeah. Well. Well, like yeah. I say, uh, because I because I'm not in the studio, I don't have our call screener, yep. so uh, I, yep. I'm trying to yep. do everything. It's 
No, but, it's uh, fine. I totally understand. So you, you guys, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Um, maybe we can do it again sometime. It was a pleasure and, getting you know, to talk to you again after absolutely. all these years. And and hopefully COVID will lift and you can come see the Texas wrestling. So oh, I would, I would, well, I would love not, to. Uh, and tell everybody in Texas that Granny and Holster and family sends their hellos because I know I will do I, that. I know a lot of them that wrestle for them down there. So. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing, I think Tim Storm's there, and I'm looking forward to seeing him, as well as quite a few others that I've been around the business with, so it's going to be, it's, and it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, please tell him we send our hellos. I will. The ice cream is pretty popular in the city of Frisco, Texas, so I I, I, I got to fly it up there as well. Okay. Well, well, thanks for being on. Well, really, before you sign off, if our fans wanted to check out and see what we're doing, uh, you got Facebook, you got in, uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. What do you got? Uh, well, I've got Facebook, which is Malaya MDM Hosaka, and uh, my Instagram's the same thing, and then my Twitter is at Modern Day Moolah. Um, I don't do Twitch or YouTube or any of that stuff, and I'm actually really horrible with a, a lot of the, the social media. The best way to stay in contact with me is definitely Facebook. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm old school, so I, I have a really hard time with social media. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, so uh, so do people tell me to shut up, so I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> 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 well, I'll tell you what, we appreciate you being on with us, and thank you so yep. much. We appreciate it. Nope, thank you. Thanks, Malaya. Have a good night. Yep, thank you. Have a good night. Awesome. Bye. All right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. That was an awesome interview. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to... Uh, your thing, I icon. Just, just <laughs> well, I know. I think. Oh no. I think I just disconnected. Uh, uh, I was trying to disconnect her, and he got disconnected. Well, I'm sure he'll be calling back. I hope so. Oh my. What a great interview. She's an awesome lady. Yeah, that was awesome. But I'll tell you what our, our next song there is. Okay. All right. Let me, uh, I'm going to introduce him. And Do your thing. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room. Well, actually, no. He's driving out of the green room and speeding <laughs> in the aisle. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy is the one who brought us the Fast and the Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Greg Lieberman. Uh oh, hey, why do I get blamed? Why do I get blamed for Too Fast, Too Furious? Oh wow! Well, we're gonna talk. I'm about good. That. <laughs> all right, all right. We're, we're good to be about. here, man. Hey, uh, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be give us a little background about yourself, and then we're gonna just go all motorhead on you. And uh, we have uh, we have uh, uh, Greg Lieberman here with us. We got forty minutes if you can stand us that long, and uh, just go ahead and give us a little background, and we'll talk to you. All right. Well, uh, car guy like most people, because your parents tell you not to mess around with cars; it's a waste of time. So of course, you do exactly the opposite. So started tinkering on cars at about fifteen years old, and it just kind of blew into a big, you know, addiction for which there was no rehabilitation. And then, you know, having jobs while I'm going to school, revolving around cars and so forth. And then one day I'm at a car show, 
and an older gentleman comes up to me and starts talking to me about cars. And next thing I know, I'm at Universal Studio with my little Japanese rice rocket showing it to some people I'd never heard of. Uh, got signed as a technical advisor, which I didn't know what in God's name that was, to, to serve this new movie coming out that was going to be called The Fast and the Furious. So they rented a couple of my cars and you know, gave me a contract as a technical advisor and it started a three-year adventure. And here we are, 20 years later, still talking about it. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Craig Lieberman's our guest here. we got 39 minutes here with Craig. One thing I want to ask you, um, now, um, usually uh, I, 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 I usually call you like a week before to do a, a pre-screen interview to ask, see what, you, what I can ask you and what I can't ask you. But if there's a question that uh, you don't want to answer, just, uh, just say, and what's your next question? We'll move on, okay? No, it's a pretty much an open book. I have, it was a fun experience, so I think you're gonna you can ask pretty much anything. So now being uh, being with the Fast and the Furious, and we'll, we'll kind of go. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the one, and we'll talk about the other. Uh, now, being a technical advisor and making these cars, um, did did you have a chance to Paul Walker and Vin Diesel and all these guys? Oh yeah, they, when they, as a technical advisor, I'm there to tell, advise and give them advice about, you know, the, the script, dialogue, what cars to use, and all that kind of stuff. So I met Paul and Vin very early. They asked me, Universal asked me to set up casting calls, up at Universal Studios. So the first day I show up there, I got to meet Vin and and uh, and Paul, and the whole production team. They actually escorted me in with this little go kart with my little yellow Toyota Supra. And they had the whole group came down, and I'm just going like, what is going on here, man? So Rob Cohen, the director, says, take me for a ride in your jalopy. I says, all right. So I don't know if you've ever been to Universal Studios Hollywood, um, but the yeah. freeway right next to it is usually a parking lot. So the car had a, a target top, you know, the center section, the roof came on. And so I get Rob in the car, I jump on the 101 freeway, run it, you know, it's a big single turbo, so – I'm just hauling butt up to 101, doing about 130, and he Rob leans over and screams at me, "Is that the turbo or is that the NOS?" I said, "No, that's the turbo." He says, "Well, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna rent your car for the movie." I was like, "What? Wait, wait, what? What just happened here?" So meeting Paul first day, I could tell already that Paul was a big big car guy. Paul, there's a whole behind the scene feature right on the DVD with Paul walking around the car and seeing the, my car for the first time. And I got to know him well. I got to travel with him when we promoted the release of the first movie. We went up and down the West Coast doing car shows and so forth. Definitely a car guy. Vin Diesel, not so much. Not so much a car guy. He was a budding actor at the time. And, uh, you know, I'm not in that world. So I, and I don't get starstruck. I live in Los Angeles area. So. But Paul was a total a consummate car guy. He had a lot of old cars and uh, new cars. So he was just a cool guy, car guy. Awesome. I, I didn't want to hear because this is, this is your interview, but uh, I, um, I, I remember when I heard about his, uh, his passing, and it was just, it was just terrible. Um, but so, anyway yeah. – uh, I love Paul Walker. I miss him to this day. And when you're, uh, you know, you're the technical advisor. So did you get to build these? Did you get to build these cars as well? 
That's a it's a good question. So the Supra was my personal car. It was already <clears throat> modified, and Universal rented it and decided to change the uh, the paint color because it was yellow before. They did the orange, and then they wanted those nuclear gladiator graphics on the side. Uh, they put that big ricey wing on the back. It wasn't really my cup of tea, but you know, as much as they're paying you to do that, uh, you don't care because they're going to pay you to restore it back. So I got to supervise the, supervise the builds of all the import cars. My thing was I was the import tuner guy. So I had all the connections in the tuner industry because I, at the time I was executive director of a drag race series called NIRA. You've ever heard of the NHRA? Well, this was the import yes. version, but just completely separate from NHRA. So we were doing 11 events a year all over the country, strictly tuner cars. And so I had all so, the connections so I could call up all these companies and say, give us free parts or give us discounted parts. So your car was Paul Walker's car. Correct. Uh, they rented my Super, which Paul Walker drove. They rented my Maxima, which uh, Matt Schultz drove, who paid uh, – uh, who played the Vince, and then Too Fast, Too Furious, the silver, the silver right-hand drive Skyline GTO was also my personal car that Universal rented for the movie. Too Fast, so Too you're the one that owns the Skyline. Yes, I don't, I don't own it anymore. I sold it years ago. You sold it to Paul Walker, right? Nope. There's a lot of misinformation. It's so funny that misinformation is floating around still 20 years later. I hear so many different versions of it. It's Paul Walker's car. Paul Walker has owned several Skylines and GTRs in his life. He had the, the car that I bought was the first truly rolled legal, federally legal R34 GTR in the United States. Paul drove it for two months and said, no, I don't want this color, and he got a silver one. And uh, he had that one for a while, and then it got sold to a dude in Hawaii who got it seized by the feds. And then it got sold to a dude in Texas, and it just resold uh, within the last 30 days for north of $400,000. So, <laughs> so wow. Paul had a few. Uh, you know, let, uh, then we'll go to Granny. I'll let her ask a few questions. Uh, we have uh, we have an Austin interview with us right now, ladies and gentlemen. we got uh, 34 minutes with Mr. Lieberman here, and I am going to refer to you as Mr. Lieberman because uh, I have a lot of respect for you. And what you do, and I, I would do anything to be able to get behind the wheel of one of the cars. I know you wouldn't let me drive one of the cars, but, uh, you know. Um, now, when uh, when you're watching, I don't know if you uh, if you spend any time watching the movies back this, you know, 20 years later, or like if you like if you like going to the guide on cable and you flip it, you switch it over, and you're like going, okay. That's my car. That's my car. That's my car. That car is mine. It's in the garage right now. Do you ever do that, or just just like it's no, just like another day at the office? It's it's not it's not either of those things. You ever try and go watch? You never ever have your family over and your mom whips out the home movies over you when you were seven. It's it's cringeworthy, yeah. right? Okay, it's really right. cringeworthy. So when I when I watch it, you know, there's so many technical pieces <clears throat> of technical dialogue that they use in the movie that I counseled against saying this is inaccurate, this is inaccurate, this is not accurate. And Rob Cohen, he was a champion. He just said, look, I appreciate your hard work, but the, the fact of the matter is most people who watch this movie are not going to know a darn thing about cars, so they don't know if, it's, it's, if this is technically accurate or not technically accurate, but we just have to stereotype it and blow it all up kind of stuff just to make, you know, to make an impression. Don't worry about it. And, of course, after the movies came out, they were roasted mercilessly on the internet for the inaccuracies and in dialogue and the action. 
So watching it today, it's very hard for me to watch, especially when my scene comes on. I have got 15 seconds on film myself. I'm the guy who raises his fingers and drops his fingers at the race out in the desert. Remember when they're at the runway? That's me for 15 yeah, seconds. Yeah, well, between, uh, between uh, Rod, with Rodriguez, right, and against uh, Rodriguez, and uh, is that the one, right? That's the scene? Yeah, well, there's there's two of them. Yeah, uh, Letty's racing this guy, and we called him Reggae Racer in the white RX-7. And then the next race was Johnny Tran versus Chad Lindbergh, uh, which was Jesse in the movie. So I was in both those scenes, and it was kind of <clears> – that's another, that's another funny story we can get into if we have time. Well, yeah, but, we, uh, uh, yeah we, it's well, cringeworthy. We're, we're, we're going to make time. we got 30 minutes, so we're going to make time. Uh, uh, all right, so – now all Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'll ask one more question, and we'll uh, let uh, Granny ask one, one, one thing. Now, uh, so when you mentioned about the technology, so like this, uh, like this term would make you cringe when you said, uh, uh, "Granny shifting, not double clutching when you should." Right. <laughs> Motex, Motex system exhaust, all that kind of stuff. The whole thing with the floor pan falling out with the green Mitsubishi Eclipse. I'm like. What's going on here? Vin Diesel gets in the car like a minute and a half later, which is going to dangle his feet out like Fred Flintstone style. What are we doing here? And then the whole thing, danger to manifold. I'm like, that's no, no, no. That's not real. That's not. That's not even close. Just so, just show a nitrous pressure gauge going into the red. People understand red light, green light kind of thing. And then have the hose pop off on the car and spray the windshield down with ice cold nitrous oxide, which is, comes out of the tube at a minus 125C. It'll fog up the windshield. All, all those kind of things that I make recommendations on. They said, nope, nope, nope. We're just going to do this. We're just going to do the other thing. But anyway, so when I the first time I saw it in a screening theater in you know three months before the movie came out. I was mortified because I was like, oh, my God, this is so bad, so bad. What's that? You broke up a little bit. You're breaking up, Icon. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me try this a little better. When uh, when they shot the scene, when – the floor comes out of the car. That could never happen, correct? Well, it, it, I'm on a streetcar. A streetcar is a unit body pan, right? So they saw these diamond, these cheap diamond plate floor mats that kids were putting in their cars back then, and interpreted that, that to mean that those that was the floor board, the actual floor board. So, uh, no, it's just something that doesn't happen. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We have uh, Mr. Uh, Craig Lieberman as our guest here, the genius behind Fast and the Furious and Too Fast and the Furious. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Granny, we have our guest. Go ahead. Uh, I know that you're uh, – uh, uh, Granny Hulkster, you know, she could be like the little old lady from Pasadena if she wanted to. Go ahead. What do you got for our guest? Go ahead. Oh, icon. <laughs> well, first of all, hello, and we're. it's an honor to have you on our show tonight. Um, my husband, he loves – like old cars i mean he loves to go to car shows he loves to watch those car show things on tv now my son he really enjoyed the fast and furious movies he he really liked them i mean and of course we're my whole family and i we were a big van diesel fan and like i said paul walker and it was very sad when we lost paul because he was such a talented actor but I still kind of like the action, you know, in the movies. I mean, I still every once in a while they'll show them, they'll show one of them, and I'll I'll start watching the game, even though I've seen them, you know. But um, what was it like to work with Van Diesel and Paul Walker? I mean, 
Well, Paul would tell you if he were alive today, he, I, I mean, I have a very telling session with him one afternoon. I was down in Florida, and I hadn't seen Paul since the end of the first movie, the premiere, actually. And I walked into him up while we were sitting down on set doing some work on the cars, and I said, <clears> so they brought you back I, They brought you back again, huh? He says, yep, they keep paying me. I keep telling them I'm not an actor, but if they want to pay me, as long as it's got guns, cars, or surfing in it, I'm in. So he was just a cool <laughs> down-to-earth guy. I mean, that's first story. And when I traveled with him, when we went to car shows together, at that time, he was relatively unknown. I remember people standing in line for his autograph. They didn't even know the, who the heck he was. And here we, I'm sure people are kicking themselves 20 years later now that they know how that big that movie franchise got. But he was just a cool yeah. down to earth guy. Everybody on the production team treated me so well. I'm a nobody, was a nobody, still am a nobody. I was just a, a, a guy who was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time with the right cars. And uh, the producers, the directors, the, everybody, everybody on set treated me like, like just gold, like I was important. I, I sat in these giant script meetings with the VPs of studios and 15-person panel having discussions about how they're going to spend $85 million dollars. And there was one time that in the Too Fast, Too Furious, they wanted to make the Dodge <clears throat> Neon SRT, the Dodge Neon SRT4, the main car that Paul Walker drove. And I'm sitting in that in that meeting with John Singleton, the the director of Too Fast, Too Furious, and I'm literally squirming in my seat. And Singleton leads over to me and says, "Lieberman, you got something to say?" I said, "No, sir. I'll wait my turn." He says, "Listen, I don't want no booty ass crap in my movie. If this is booty, I need to know." And I said, well, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. And I don't care how many nitrous bottles you put in a, a Dodge Neon SRT4, people are going to laugh. And they, to their credit, they turned that down. They didn't take the Dodge money. They didn't take the Dodge Neon SRT4s. And so wow. that, w that was a big, big, big thing. Wow. You know, the, uh, the one thing in the movie, though, that upset me the most is when they destroyed my dream car, the Charger. When the charger uh, flipped, well, my, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, well, we didn't destroy a good one. Um, we, every time, if any kind, anytime you see a car in a movie, there's multiple copies. There's what's called the Hero One, which is the nicest, shiny version, right? It's clean. Everything works on it. It's shiny. It's clean. Uh, it's well-maintained, all that. Then we build a cosmetic replica of that as a backup car. We call it the Hero Two. And then we build a bunch of stunt cars. Usually we buy these cars from junkyards. Uh, we get them running, put motors and transmissions in them. We clean up the interior, wash the car, paint it, do what we need to do. And we destroy the stunt cars. Like if you look at the Yanko Camaros and the, and the challenges from Too Fast, Too Furious, they were literally in pieces when we bought those cars from junkyards. And then we restored them to full cars. So we're not destroying classics. We're taking junkyard cars, cars that would have otherwise been destroyed, and turn them into movie cars, and then they get destroyed. <laughs> and then, uh, now let me ask you this: when uh, uh, when these cars get destroyed, uh, who uh, at the end of the movie uh, do you guys put them up for sale? Do they say uh, you want this thing, or and then you restore it again? Uh, does that ever happen? Well, typically it had, it's been different situations for different movies. After the first movie, all the cars were stored in a warehouse. Uh, up in Newhall, California, and then we took all those cars out of the warehouse and repainted them and made them look different and then reused them in Too Fast, Too Furious. 
those cars that survived, the stunt cars and so forth, were either sold for auction or junked, depending on what was left of them. Uh, for Tokyo Drift, after that, a lot of those cars were uh, sold, went back to Japan, the, the right-hand drive ones. Um, the stunt cars were that were wrecked were basically either destroyed or picked apart for other <clears throat> movies. So it's different for every different movie. Universal doesn't like to sell stunt cars because there's liabilities, right? If somebody's driving a stunt car that got resold and then the wheel falls off, they're going to see Universal. So stunt cars usually just get crushed, but it's not always the case. Sometimes they get reused and recrushed again in another movie. So it just depends. So how many cars uh, do you own personally? Currently, I'm, I'm down to two. That The most I've ever had at one time is five. I have a 2015 uh, Nissan GTR uh, R35. My wife has an Audi S3. And uh, 2018, I think it is, both turbocharged cars. My my car is making like 650 horsepower. I'm kind of over the days of playing with 20 different cars at the same time because it's it's just it's just too much. I have other stuff going on, and I run a company, so I just can't. I don't have the time for it. So you don't. So you don't have any of the cars used in the movie anymore. Then you sold them all. Yep, I sold my, you know, I sold the Supra because it was a little old to be driving a, a, a an orange car with a giant shopping cart wing and a Trojan Gladiator on the side of the car. So I sold that car, and then when I got my Paul Walker Skyline back from Too Fast, Too Furious, I ripped off the silver and the Shelby stripes and painted it back to blue. Just when I got it all done, I got a phone call from <clears> a woman <throat> in Tennessee who wanted to buy the car. Said it's not for sale. She made me a ridiculous offer. I said okay, or ridiculous offer, and I said okay, and that car was sold. So now uh, I uh, now I'll understand if you don't want to answer this question, but I I just asked because I I can't stop myself because the 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 cars were in the movie. You obviously had to get a a top selling price for them. Uh, you had to get a couple extra. Ten thousand dollars added onto because they were in the movie. Oh, uh, yeah, it would have been more than that. So I, I think I paid twenty four thousand dollars for the car, and when we sold it, the profits were over one hundred and eighty thousand dollars, including the build. So uh, we did pretty well with that car. And then the GTR I probably had. Let's say I paid seventy eight for the car. I had another uh, probably fifteen grand of my own money in that, and that car returned it over two hundred grand in profit. So. Uh, we did fairly well. I'm kicking myself, of course, because if I had the Super today, that car would be a million and a half easy, based on auction sales of other cars. But you know, you know, nobody uh, knew Paul was going to die, and if Paul had not died, these cars would not have been worth as much money. And that's a sad thing to say, but it's it's the truth. Uh, Craig Humans are here. We got 20 minutes here with Craig. Uh, so I guess my next question is. Um, when uh, you ha- when they used your car, you obviously didn't have nitrous oxide in the car, and they had to put the stuff in the car. Uh, when you got the car back, did they take all that stuff out, or did they let you have it in there? Oh no, 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 no. The way you saw the car in the movie is the way I had it. The only thing they changed was the paint color, the body kit, the wheels, and the wing. The nitrous was in my car. Uh, I mean, if you, if I have a YouTube channel where you can actually go. It's under just under my name. But if you watch the, the video about how we made the Super, I show pictures of it right when I bought it, after I modified it, after Universal painted it, and 
and then uh, when I got it back. So all the modifications were done. The big turbo, the nitrous, everything was all done. Uh, when they gave me the car back, they gave it back to me with the orange paint and the body kit, but they paid me like fifteen grand to refurbish the car. And I didn't refurbish it. I just kept it in movie condition. So it's obviously not street legal, obviously. No, it's street it's street legal. They were both street legal. Just because you have nitrous really? oxide I guess in a car does not. That... Yeah. Oh, okay. sorry. Go ahead. Well, see, I have, I have an Audi A4, um, okay. and I want to. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm 43 years old, and they they told me I was going to live till I'm 86. Uh, so I'm basically in my midlife crisis right now. So I bought this Audi A4, and I want to turn this thing into a Fast and the Furious car. It's already got a turbo thing in it, but I mean, I want to mm-hmm. make this absolutely ridiculous. And uh, I don't know, do you, uh, uh since I have your number, will you allow me to call you for advice on how to suit this thing up? Yeah. Sure. It's pretty easy with turbocharged cars, with especially with Audis. There's a couple of good tuners that sell good parts, so you can take that car. What year A4 is it? Uh, I believe it's uh, – I want to say 96, I believe. Okay. A little different back with that era, but if it's a turbocharged right, car, you can get another. 2006. I'd, I'd have to, 2000. I'd have to Yeah, I think it's 2006. Yeah, you could probably get another 80 or 100 horsepower out of it, but it just depends on what you're willing to do <laughs> and how much uh, you're willing to thrash the car and risk having to buy a new transmission. Well, you know, I'll tell you, um, you know, you've uh, you've obviously uh, – and I I I gotta know this too because you know like I say I'm a, I'm a car geek I I don't know anything about cars I just know that I love to drive them and I I love to be able to do it but when when you're in a car and you hit the NOS uh, do, does it really jolt you like that or was that just another Hollywood uh, get up uh, yes and no yeah. Depends on how much nitrous you run. Nitrous kits are adjustable. Typically speaking, let's say you have a 400 horsepower car, you could safely add probably 100, 125 horsepower. And when you turn on an extra 120 horsepower, 125 horsepower, you're going to notice a difference. Now, I think a lot of people saw the first movie and saw the first race where the the, the scenery seems to blur at, in that first race where when Paul Walker hits the nitrous. And that wasn't meant to convey that uh, the car takes off like a rocket ship. I, I, Rob Cohen said it. I'm one of the behind the feature, uh, behind the uh, scene features. He said it was it was basically to give you a driver's point of view, a POV, and make you think that when you hit the nitrous, time and space become blurred because you've got tunnel vision looking down the street, and everything next, you know, outside that tunnel is a blur. So, yeah, there was a little bit of creative license there. <laughs> but it wasn't a documentary. No. We got to remember, it's just a movie. I remember, correct me if I'm wrong. I remember there was a scene in there when they uh, did soup up uh, a car. They had a feature in one of the DVDs. Now, were, were you involved in that part of the documentary? I, I was in it. I was the host. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. Right. So, so yeah, that was. Playmate, Playboy Playmate of the Year 2002, Daylene Curtis is now married to Fletcher Jones, who's junior, who runs the Mercedes dealerships out here. She was a lovely, smart engineer gal. She was a great lady. 
uh, and it was just unscripted, do what you want. Here's a car, build it for us. I said, okay, let's do it. So now, um, so you you involved in the first one? And now, have you are you involved in the 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 current one right now or no? No, after Tokyo Drift, and I had a minor role. I was I was tech advisor for uh, part one and part two, which was filmed in Florida. So I moved down there for four or five months. <clears throat> And then Tokyo Drift, I helped a little bit with finding the cars for the underground parking lot scene. Tokyo Drift was filmed 90 to 95% in Los Angeles. Most of it was never in Japan. All of the stuff was basically filmed here. So uh, that was that. And then after that, they got away from using Japanese cars so much. Everything was muscle cars because the picture car guys are you know old school guys who grew up in the 60s and the 70s. And they're all about their Camaros and Chevelles and Chargers and all that kind of stuff. So the movie's kind of gone down a different path. And now they don't really build show cars for movie cars. Every car is pretty much built as a stunt car. So in the first two movies, that was different. They had some show cars, and we built replicas to make into step uh, into stunt cars. But now they're just building every car as a stunt car. And you know, the interesting thing about the, the Skyline is uh, it was available in America. You had to buy that thing. Yeah, you back. Okay, so there's a 25 year law in the United States. You're not allowed to import a car unless it's 25 years old. So that's the deal. So the Skyline GTRs, they were made 90, late at night, 98, 99 to 2002. So if you want a 99, you have to wait until 2024. Now, there's a lot of black market cars here, people are smuggling them in. But if the feds catch you, they they take the car and they crush it. So and that's already happened several times. So. Well, I'll do it. I'm gonna quick cancel my order for the sky. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, now I, I'm kind of curious. Now in Too Fast Too Furious, you know, you mentioned in the beginning. It's like, why am I linked to it? I'll admit, I actually loved Too Fast Too Furious over. Uh, the first one. I mean, I love the first one, but the second one I liked a lot better, especially with you know Cole Hauser and uh, um, 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 why is his name uh, Roman Pierce? Why is his real name slipping my net? Um, Tyrese Gibson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tyrese Gibson. Yeah. Uh, every time I get yeah. put on, put myself on the spot, I can't. Be. Now, now, could you put an end to this myth or uh, some truth to this myth that uh, Tyrese Gibson? Uh, his car that was designed, he didn't like it, so he had a lot of changes. Is that true or false? Uh, it's it's true, and I'll give you the quick history. I did a whole video on this car, too, on my YouTube channel. We started modifying the car here in Southern California before production moved to Florida. The car we painted Pavo Purple, and then we did the interior at the art director's request in yellow suede. Anybody knows anything about cars, you, you know that if you're getting in and, in and out of a car with yellow suede, it's going to get dirty really quick. But all that aside, Tyrese first saw the car in Los Angeles. He said, actually, was it Los Angeles or Florida? Uh, either way, the first time he saw the car, and he said the following, and I quote, he said, oh, hell no, I ain't driving no Lakers car because it was purple and yellow. So immediately the art department went back to the drawing board and said, okay, we need to get rid of the yellow. What are we going to do? And so I proposed gray suede. So we had to take the interiors out of four cars redo them all in gray suede in four days. And they play, they, there was a place in South Florida called Shamrock Auto who did the interiors, and they did it. 
So we changed the graphics because uh, Tyrese found this car at another car show, and he brought in the magazine to the producers and said, I want this. And so we just took the purple and put some graphics over it at a paint shop and then changed the interior, and he was happy. So that was absolutely true. Uh, well, when he's telling you this, did you say – did you want to say, uh, how about no, or you couldn't do that? Uh no, I'm a technical advisor. He wanted to put 20-inch chrome wheels on it, right? And I'm not, you know, the chrome, once you start putting big chrome wheels on a Japanese car, it ruins everything, really. I mean, it's, just, it's like taking a, uh, a 69 Camaro and putting 28-inch chrome spinners on it. It's just not something that is customary within certain circles. But to Tyrese's credit, he he understood his market. There's this whole urban audience that loves the chrome wheel look, and so this car fit that part. But the fact that I'm more of a purist, I like a performance rather than for show and flash and bling, it was just him kind of being him, and it was spot on. There's a lot of people around the world who love that car. I mean, people like me who are into Japanese sports cars, not so much, but everybody else who's under 35, they love the car. So who's right? Him, not me. Well, you know, my my favorite line uh, is this uh, when he said, man, where did you confiscate these rims from, man? And I bet you're sitting on the sidelines in the in the set going, hey, I know where I confiscated them from. <laughs> they cost $10,000 a set, and we got them from Giovanna Wheels. Yeah, we know we got the wheels. And they got to stop calling them rims, man. We call them wheels in California. So when I heard that piece of dialogue, I cringed too. You know, it's just – it is what it is. You're an advisor. You give advice. They don't. They're paying you whether they take the advice or not. So you can't take it personally. Well, that that that. Uh, what would you say? Uh, you, uh, was was your uh, set or were you on a set during the whole time? Uh, what uh, you kind of broke up there only got like every third word something about on set on all the time. You uh, were you on set all the time or just certain times no. when they when they just, wanted your advice? Just certain times. So I was there for pre-production meetings, right? As we were putting the whole thing together, cars casting, all that, and then being on set for certain scenes. Uh, when they did the Dodge Charger flip and the racing the Super, I was there for that. The PCH racing scene. Uh, race wars. I was there all five days out there in the desert. There was other scenes. I worked mostly with first unit, which was the the, the unit that follows the actors around. I didn't work on second second unit because that's all the stunt stuff. They don't need me for that, that. They don't need me for that. I was on with first unit, so I wasn't on set every day. It was about 59 days of production. It was scattered all through Southern California, mostly in the L.A. Riverside uh, and uh, yeah, L.A. and Riverside areas. So it wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't Craig, too we, far away. Unfortunately, eight minutes with you, Craig. Uh, you know we do uh, we do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Uh, real quick here, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with some uh, harder questions. Uh, if our fans want to check in and see you, you got a Facebook, you got Instagram, you got YouTube, Twitter, you got a GoFundMe. What do you got? All right, so I have a YouTube. It's just under my name, Craig Lieberman. My Instagram is Craig Lieberman 42. Um, I have a website called fastandfuriousfacts.com. And I have a book on Amazon called Crashing Cars. 
And um, I don't know. I don't know if you'd uh, be willing to do this or not. If I were to uh, send you uh, an address on Messenger, uh, we got a big uh, December uh, giveaway show coming up. Uh, Wonder if you might be willing to send us uh, some autographs for some giveaways uh, for our fans. Yeah, I've, I I've got it, man. I've got, I've got your address already. I've got a package ready for you. I've got some books in there. I have some eight by ten glossy autograph photos of the Toyota Super that was in the first movie, and I'll be putting those in the mail to you this week. Awesome, I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, you know, um, if we haven't uh, if we haven't annoyed you too much, uh, you know, don't go away yet. We still got seven minutes here with you, but. Uh, would you be yep. willing to come on again? Because uh, uh, Big Swing, this was supposed to be a surprise for him because uh, he's a big muscle head. And uh, this was going to be a surprise for him. But, of course, he's doing uh, on special assignments uh, because his uh, his team is currently playing in Monday Night Football, and his team is not air- from Arizona. So that can, kind of narrows it down a little bit. But uh, uh, we, I'd love to have you on again. Uh, <clears throat> Because so, I know that he's got tons of questions he he wanted to ask you. Yeah, happy to. And Especially now, if he's a muscle car guy. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, what would you say was your biggest, if any, your biggest disappointment um, in either of these two movies? What would you say was your biggest disappointment and what was your biggest uh, celebratory moment? Uh, the biggest celebratory moment was what uh, – uh, we, as the owners of the cars, all the all the cars in the first movie, the, the main cars were rented from private owners. We got invited to a private screening on Universal's back lot in the Alfred Hitchcock Theater to pre-screen the movie before anybody, anybody. The only person to see it is the editors, the producers, and the directors. So we got we all walked into this theater and we got to sit there and watch the early vision, version of the movie, and that was great. My friends were so happy, so so happy, and that was great to see the smiles on their face. Um, my most cringeworthy moment was probably the nitrous ejection seat in Too Fast, Too Furious. Good God! Um, there's a scene not where possible. not possible. Not possible. It's not possible. People don't understand how nitrous oxide works. If there was enough force to eject somebody out of the side of a car like that, the guy would have been split in two pieces. <laughs> you would need <laughs> rocket engines to do that. It's just the physics don't work. Well, I I, I, hate, I hate to say it, but you know, like when uh, when we talked to uh, Byron Cherry, uh, the one of the replacement Duke boys, when he told us that. Uh, they went through as many Dodge Chargers as they did. I said, well, you just ruined my childhood. Uh, again, I just had another one of those moments, and I'm like, damn, I thought that really would have worked. Now I know it doesn't work. <laughs> right. They, I, I grew up in the neighborhood where they were filming uh, Dukes of Hazard and Disney Ranch up in Santa Clarita, California. They had wrecked more than 300 Chargers over the years. Jeez, I know it's terrible, and uh, it, like yeah. I say, it's my dream car because it wasn't General Lee, but I I I do anything to have one. Uh, that's why, like I said, and now that you told me that they didn't really destroy, uh, they destroyed a um, um, a uh, makeshift charger. I, I I don't feel so bad now, so that's good. You got, uh, you got to remember, in 1977, Dodge Chargers were five. The the, the shells were 500 bucks a piece, so it wasn't a collectible car yet. It, well, the, the Duke that has kind of, uh, kind of uh, moved that along a little bit, didn't it, or not? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. 
Now, let me ask you this. Uh, there's a there's another car car guy we know. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to meet him. Uh, you're, I'm sure you're you're familiar with the, the Count, correct? The who? The Count. Uh, Danny. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, from, the, 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 uh, the Vegas guy. The yeah. Vegas guy. Yeah. Yeah. I watch his show. Yeah. Well, you're you're a lot better than he is, aren't you? <laughs> the guy's a talented guy. I was just an advisor who scurried up some cars and gave some advice to a movie that became popular. Danny's a real guy. Well, that that that's awesome, but you know, but like I say, I uh, I I have so much uh, so much respect for you uh, for what you did in uh, those two movies, and uh, like I say, I um, you know, people always thought that. Uh, you know, after uh, the Fast and the Furious are like, well, geez, why are they making a sequel? The first one wasn't that good. But uh, you think it's just the opposite, right? The first one was better than the second one well, or not? Well, I think, I think well, the first one is cool because of the nostalgia and every, the recipe just worked. You know, it was basically Blue Crush. I mean, well, what was it? What was that movie back in the day? Uh, Point Break. Point Break. Sorry, I got the two confused. Point Break, yeah. It was Point Break, Point Break with Cars. Too Fast, Too Furious was fun. I mean, Tyrese was great in that. The, the, the chemistry between the two of them it was a lot of fun. Not my cup of tea because it, it kind of get it, got away from street racing. Tokyo Drift was my favorite. Japanese cars set in Japan, although filmed in L.A. Pretty Asian girls, all the drifting stuff. It was just the right movie at the right time. But, you know, the first movie cost $38 million, and it made $211. Second movie uh cost eighty five million dollars and it made two hundred and thirty seven million. The seventh movie cost a hundred and fifty million dollars, I think it was, and it made one point five billion dollars. So people the audiences don't really care about street racing. They care about explosions and special forces tactics and commando stuff and all that. That's what sells movie tickets, so well, you know, and the other thing I was going to ask you about Tokyo Drift. Now, when it first came out, I did not like it at all. But uh, seeing it on network television and uh, being a uh, being now a fan of Jack Black, no, no, it's not not Jack Black. Who is it? Um, Lucas Black. What's the actor's Lucas Black? Yeah, Jack Black. Yeah, yeah. Lucas Black. Uh, you know, uh, I be you know I started liking Lucas Black because when he played Pee Wee Reese in the movie Forty Two, but. Uh, you, you know, I'm sure you got to meet him. What, what's he like? Uh, you know, I never spent any time with Lucas Black. He was on. I'm trying to think of where he, where I saw him. Uh, on set, he rolled in on the golf cart with his little group um, when they were doing some of the drifting scenes and so forth. So I stood near him while he was talking to some people, but I had no course to be working with him directly because I wasn't part of that particular scene where they were doing the drifting up the up the uh, up the driveway. Lucas Black, if you may remember him from uh, Sling Blade, remember that movie Sling Blade? He was the little yep, boy. Correct. Yep. 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 And uh, also, what was the? Uh, he they recently killed off his character. What was it? Uh, Navy NCIS or whatever it was. Um, he was in that, and he's not in it now because they killed off his character, unfortunately. But that's that's a whole other story. Well, you know, I'll tell you, uh, this is this has been an awesome, awesome interview, and uh, I do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule uh, to join us. You have been so awesome, 
And uh, like I, you know, uh, you know, when people do the, the bow down thing with their hands going up and down, I'm doing that right now to you. I, I'm on my <laughs> knees and I'm just praising you because, uh, you know, you may not believe it, but that's what I'm doing because I, I have so much respect for you and so much love for you because, I mean, when you think about it, Fast and Furious, I mean, it was a good movie, but a lot of the stuff wouldn't happen without you. Uh, you give me too much credit. It was a great team that I worked with, and they were very open to suggestions. A lot of people contributed. Honestly, my first chapter in my book is called Dumb Luck, and that's really what it came down to. It was just the right guy in the right place at the right time, and a lot of other people could have done that job just as well or better. So I count my blessings every day, and I appreciate your support. Well, I'll tell you what. We love you, man, and uh, in uh, uh, hopefully uh, – well, we can get you back on in 2021, and uh, I do see that uh, right now we have. Uh, well, I, I can't, uh, I can't, uh, I can't say the uh, number right now because I got to get a final tally how many are on. But uh, there's a lot of people listening right now, and uh, we thank you for uh, being on with us, and you're awesome. I appreciate that, man. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. You have my email, you have my phone number, and you have my. Uh social media stuff. So if you just want to chat cars or whatever, let's talk. And uh, thanks for being on. I hate to say, and I hate to say it, but you're actually one of the first, one of my, uh, one of the first people to say, Hey, give me a call. Cause uh, usually when uh, I like, when I call my relatives or whatnot, uh, they're, they have me programmed in their phone is do not answer this. Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, man. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks guys. Thanks for being thanks, on with us. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Awesome. Wow. Greg Lieberman, ladies and gentlemen, the man behind Too Fast and the Fast and the Furious. Well, Greg, what do you think of that one? That was a great interview. Yeah. yeah I mean, everything was great I, I, tonight. I, great, great, great guest. I, I, and... loved, I loved the guest. You know, uh, like I wish Big Wing would have been in here for it because I know. Well, about 90 seconds uh, left. Uh, we got a big next week. Uh, unfortunately, because my phone is uh, um, not working properly, uh, you guys should just check out our website. Uh, we, uh, so, um, yeah, so keep an eye on our website, Off the Ropes, on Facebook, because they won't let us change it to Attitude Air Live because they suck. Uh, we got 60 seconds, Granny. We got to get out of here. We'll talk to you next week, and as always, everybody be safe, uh, be kind to one another, and we'll see you all next week. Have a great week.
gonna pay. 